Philippians chapter 1, we're just going to just do the introduction of today. But I want to do this the same way that we would do when we went through James and the same thing we went to 2 Timothy. Now, once again, I do these things, number one, because they help me. And the second thing, reason I do these things is because I want to show you there is no secret in studying the Word of God. There's no, like, secret thing that some secret book the pastor pulls out in his office that no one else has. He opens it and just illuminates the Word of God more so than anybody else. It is just simply studying the Word of God verse by verse. And so through Philippians, there's a whole lot of great things. And the reason I like Philippians is because as we study through the book of Philippians, Philippians is a positive book. A lot of times when you hear preaching sometimes, especially from different preachers, it's all like all over top of you, like hammering down all the bad things that you're doing as a Christian. Why don't you just get this right? And sometimes I can be like that. I can say, hey, when you guys get your music right, when you guys get this right, when you start watching good stuff on TV. But that is not what the book of Philippians is. In fact, when you look through the book of Philippians, there's really no Paul's writing this church because he's so happy for them. Like there's nothing that he's trying to straighten out. If you read Corinthians, if you read through first, second Corinthians, Paul's all the time. Guys, the Gentiles don't even do this. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Philippians is not like that. And so I want to go through Philippians just for a little bit. So let's look at fill in some blanks today. I'm going to be honest with you. The personal application will not be as much as in the weeks to come because I want to introduce this passage to you. So let's go through today, get through, figure out where we're at. And then for the next couple of weeks, as we go through Philippians, I think there's going to be some great things in it for us. So Philippians chapter one, verse one through six, it says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, it is much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Now, I will tell you, as we start and get ready to fill in some blanks, that this is probably one of my favorite books of the whole Bible. And the reason I believe it is, is because when I was in, I think, sixth grade, I had to memorize the whole book. We had to memorize the whole book of Philippians, uh, chapters 1 through 4, and then we got something at the end of the year if we memorized the whole book. And so I think it's, the reason it's probably one of my favorites is because it's one of the ones I know the most. When I, honestly... When I memorized it, I couldn't tell you what any of it means. I could just rattle it off. Verse, verse number six, I'll be mean, verse number seven. Even as meet for me to think of you uh, because I have you in my heart as much as both of my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. As a sixth grader, I'm like, just rattle it off. Defense and confirmation of the gospel. But as I study it, I find out more and more how many good things God has for us. And I want you to do this over a year. I know that probably when you were in Nawana and when you were moving up and hopefully as you go through youth group, you're learning scripture and hopefully we're starting to see that, hey, I didn't understand this when I first did it. Like John 3.16, I can tell my daughter right now, John 3.16, say it for me. She'll recite it. Does she have anything other than she knows that God loves me? She'll take from John 3.16, God loves me. But she doesn't know all the deep, great things that are in John 3.16. To be perfectly honest, I don't even know all the great things that are in John 3.16 sometimes. But as we look through the word of God, I want us to learn to just study it. Grab in. It's more than just the book we bring to church. So let's look at it. The author. The author, if you don't know, go ahead and throw it out there. Who's the author of this book? Paul. And you can write down Antimotheus, I mean, Antimothy. But this is Paul. 
And when you look at it, we just studied the book of 2 Timothy. This is when Paul and Timothy are working side by side together. So the author is Paul, the church is Philippi. It is spelled with one L and two P's, just so you know, because I have spelled it enough the past couple of days to know that it is one L and two P's in Philippi, verse number two. Verse number three, Paul's memories of the church. Paul's memories of the church. Paul thanks God for the memories of this church and acts. Now, let me ask you this real quick while we're having fun this morning, seeing you guys' minds are working. Can you tell me where in Acts the church of Philippi is mentioned? It's in the book of Acts. It's not as hard as you think it is. Do some process of elimination. There's a man that you may know in the book of Acts from Philippi. Doesn't tell his name, but we refer to him as something. I want to think through this. We refer to him as maybe a jailer. All right, the Philippian jailer. Your mind's working? There's a verse that Paul quotes that we often use in the plan of salvation. Not Acts 4.12, but that is a good one for salvation, but it's not Acts 4.12. And he tells the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. So where would in Acts? Acts 16. Good job. Yes. So we find the church. We, did you search it? Oh, good job. No, no, that's awesome. See, this, and this is what I want. This is why I want you to look at the map. This is why I want you to think through these things. Because when I did it, I tried to make sure I was like, where in, the, where in Acts is Church of Philippi mentioned? And I'm trying to train. What do I know about Church of Philippi? I'm just going through my mind. And this is studying the word of God. All right, I know that Paul's writing to Philippi. The Philippian jailer was from Philippi. So Acts 16 is where the Philippian jailer is. And so you go back to Acts 16, you'll find out where Paul starts the Church of Philippi. So Right down in your blank there, Acts 16. Two things happen there. When Paul's looking at the church, he's writing this letter. Remember, this is an actual letter to an actual church. And as he's writing, he's talking about his memories. Hey, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever, and maybe it's just me, have you ever found yourself thinking of something that makes you smile, but everybody else looking around you is like, what in the world is going on with you? Like, I, I've done it, I think recently, I was doing something, my wife was like, what are you smiling about over there? And I was like, because I'm thinking about something. And this is when Paul says, as I think of Church of Philippi, he's writing this letter to them because the Church of Philippi has been his fellow laborers. So he's writing this letter, and the Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And so I can almost see as Paul's writing this letter to Philippi, he's smiling, thinking about all the things that happened in Philippi. Like, it's just a happy thought. But then when you go back to Acts 16... And you read what happened to Paul at Philippi. What does Paul have to be happy about the memories? If you go back, there's two, two key things. Lydia. L-Y-D-I-A. Is it already written on your thing? Lydia's conversion. Acts 16, you have Lydia's conversion. The Bible says that Paul is going through and a lady is a seller of purple. And she's, he, Paul's going through and he finds a prayer meeting. They don't have a church. And so when we think of a church, we think of huge buildings. We think of stained glass windows, steeples. Well, the Bible says, as Paul's going through, there are a group of people who are trying to pray. The Bible says prayer was want to be made, and they are trying to have a prayer meeting. And Paul goes in, and the Bible says there's a lady named Lydia there, who's a seller of purple. And she gets saved, the Bible says, and she immediately starts serving the Lord. So if you're Paul, and you're writing the letter to Philippi, you're thinking, okay, that's a great memory. I remember when we were, I went to that prayer meeting and found those group of people who wanted to pray, and Lydia got saved. That's awesome. But then we go further in the chapter and we find out 
how Paul gets thrown in prison. Does any of y'all know how Paul gets thrown into prison? Why is Paul in prison in Acts chapter 16 when him and Silas are singing? Why are they thrown in prison? For preaching? They're not exactly for preaching, but it is close. Their preaching led to this. I'll get my wife. She's a Bible scholar, so she'll probably answer it better than my, I can. But before my wife goes, anybody know why is in Acts 16 is Paul and Silas in prison? Then let's do this. Let's take the time. Turn over to Acts 16. Turn over to Acts 16. I want to give you two minutes to figure out why Paul and Silas are in prison. Because this, this here is key to this whole book. These things are key to this whole book. And I don't want to just stand up here and rattle them off to you so then later on you're like, all you remember is me going wah, 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 as in the Charlie Brown. Act 16, why are they? It's toward the end of the, I would start probably in the middle somewhere. I wouldn't start, after you read about Lydia, then I scoot down. I wouldn't skip down to, I wouldn't start at verse 1. Because you'll get through the Macedonian call and all those things. And when you know, just let me know. All right, Rianne, why are they? It wasn't why. They were teaching customs, but that's not why. Just like he, the preaching. Go ahead, Braden. Yes, what was she doing before it? What was she doing that, that let them know? She was... She was telling for it. She did that, but she was telling something to Paul and Silas. There's a reason why Paul and Silas cast the demon out of her. You're on the right track. You're right. I'm just asking you so that we can get the whole context of here of Acts 16. <coughs> she did that, but what? Go ahead. Yeah, yes, exactly. So here's how, which is a good message. So here's what's happening. Paul and Silas are walking through. They're preaching, like we've talked about, and they're preaching. And this, this girl just starts yelling out. Hey, these men are messengers of God. They're preaching the truth. And she just keeps yelling it. Now, that's a great message. But can you imagine if Pastor Ferguson was preaching this morning and uh, Brother Zimmer tonight and someone stands up and just starts yelling? This man is telling the truth. Listen to him. This man is telling the truth. The whole time he's trying to talk, like as soon as he says something, this man is telling the truth. Even some churches, when you go, and I'm not against like amen and all over the place, that's fine if that's the way you like to do things. But I know I've been, to, I've been, I've listened to preaching and been to places where they're preaching, where the preacher's preaching and everybody's standing up and yelling, that's right. And they're yelling so loud that he's right that you can't even hear what he's preaching about. It's like, amen, that's right. Shaking their Bible and it's like, I just want to be able to hear what the preacher's saying. Like, I'm sure what you're saying, he's saying is good, but I don't even know what he's saying. We went to a youth conference one time, and um, me and my wife laughed because a friend that I had from college, like right in the middle, Kenny Baldwin was preaching, right in the middle, he just stood up and he's like, he waved his Bible. Like, for one thing, he's like, stands up in the middle, like, the guy's preaching, he just stands up in the middle of the preaching, he's like, and everybody's like, and all of a sudden he's like, that's right, preacher, preach it! And he put his Bible down and he sat down. And it was just like, everybody's like, that just distracted from everything this man was trying to say. <laughs> and this is what's happening. Paul and Silas are trying to preach, and this lady keeps yelling. So Paul looks at her, and he says, cast the demons out. Demons get out of her. And so they leave. The Bible says, and as you guys read, she was a fortune teller. So she brought her master's money by fortune telling. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Right, because she's not a trustworthy uh, a person to be able to say it. Exactly, exactly. And so when the Philippian jailer, so now we see they get thrown into prison for this because the men get mad. Hey, he's messed up our thing. So they, they throw in the prison. Make a long story short because there's a lot of good things in Acts 16. So read it. If you, don't, if you haven't read it, if you say, I can't read, go get your iPhone out, get your iPod out, get your computer out and go to Bible.is and listen to it. It's awesome to listen to. But if you listen to it and um, as you're listening to, as you read it, you'll find that they, they don't know that Paul is a Roman citizen. They cannot throw Paul in jail because Paul is a Roman citizen. So they throw Paul in jail. They beat him and Silas pretty badly. And the Bible says, you know what? The earthquake comes. They're singing. The earthquake comes. The, man, the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself. And Paul says, hey, do yourself no harm. And he witnesses this man. Him and his whole house get saved. Now you say, what is the significance of this? This is the whole significance of the whole story. The reason I want you to go to Acts 16. Because the whole thing of one of the key verses in Philippians, one, in Philippians, the book of Philippians is 121. For me, to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now, if you look at the life of Paul, when Paul's writing to this church, and he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. If I look back and I remembered the time someone beat me into within an inch of my life, I would probably not say, oh, I remember that was such a great day. Write that down on my update with my Facebook says, just got beaten today, but man, God is so good. It's not the highlight that would stick out in my mind. But you look at the Apostle Paul. I think my God upon every remembrance of you, because I believe in the Apostle Paul's mind, he looks back to Philippi and he's like, man, that's that night that Philippian jail was about to kill himself. And we got to witness to him. We got his whole family got saved. And a church with Lydia, the seller of purple, and a church gets started. And Paul's like, hey, I can genuinely say, I thank my God when I remember, when I think about the things that you guys have done and all the rest of the things that we don't even know about the church of Philippi did. But in our lives, what I would say is, Philippi, that was the worst place in the world. I'd never go back to Philippi. I mean, I almost died there. But not to Paul. And this is the, his whole attitude in the book. Everything that he goes through, Sometimes we read, the, we read this verse, for me to live is Christ, and we, we read it like this. For me to live is Christ, like it's some kind of suffering. I mean, while I'm here on this earth, I'm just going to live for Christ, and I'll get through this. And to die is gain. Oh, man, I can't wait till I die and go to heaven where everything's perfect. And I don't think that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, really, in my life, I'm really living for Christ. I'm having a good time. I can thank my God that I got beaten because, because I got beaten. Me and Silas were in prison. Man, that Philippian jailer got saved. A church got started. And now that church is laboring together with me for, for the Lord. And so he goes on. So Paul thanks God for the memory of the church. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine for y'all making requests with joy. So let's go. Paul's prayer for the church. Verse 4 through 6. Paul's prayer for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul says. Paul says, I can pray with joy. Paul prays with joy because of their fellowship in the gospel. So the fellowship, the word fellowship means partnership. So Paul says, not only do I have remembrance, but he says, every time I pray for you, I have that joy in my heart as I pray. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about how significant or whatever you pray, 
But there are some things you pray about and you can pray with a proverbial smile on your face because it's a happy. Maybe one of you guys have done well. Or maybe like after the youth service, everyone did really well. The song went really well and everything. And I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord, I'm telling the Lord, thank you so much for just allowing me to work with these teenagers, for being able to be a part of this, because this is awesome. So as I'm praying, I have a proverbial smile. Now, I may not be on my knees like toothy grin, but I have, I'm, I'm, I have joy. And that's what Paul's saying. Every time I pray for you guys, church at Philippi, man, just brings me joy. Why? Because your fellowship in the gospel, your partnership. When I was, I think I've told you guys this story before. But when we were growing up, I remember my, we didn't have a lot of friends in the neighborhood. Because a lot of them cursed and did a lot of things my mom and dad didn't like. And so my mom and dad would never let us out of the yard. I remember one time we thought my mom said we could go to her friend's house, even though she was talking to somebody else on the phone. And she said yes when we asked the question, can we go to the friend's house? And she said yes, but she was talking to the person on the phone. And so we were gone. My mom freaked out on us when we came back and we got in trouble. But we had a friend named Brandon. And Brandon was like the only friend. He wasn't like, he wasn't a great kid. But he was the only kid that was willing to come over to our house and abide by my mom and dad's rules as probably an 8, 9, 10-year-old. So he would come over. He wouldn't curse. He wouldn't do all these things. And so my mom would let him come over and play. And I remember one day we were, we were raking leaves. And here comes Brandon. Brandon's probably our best friend in the neighborhood. And we, me and Adrian are both disgusted that we have to be out here raking leaves. And so we were raking leaves. And my dad's out there. Like, with us, and like, we got to get all this done. We can't go do anything. It's Saturday, and I'd rather be doing a whole bunch of other things than raking leaves. I remember Brandon walks up, and he's like, hey, can you guys, can, you, can we play? And I remember we were like, no, Brandon, we can't play. We have to rake leaves. We have to rake leaves all day today. And I remember we were like raking leaves, and Brandon just turned around and walked away. He just turned around and walked away. Never said a word. He's just like, okay, okay. <laughs> Some friend he is. Some friend he is. Keep raking leaves. And I remember, probably wasn't 10 minutes later, Brandon came back, and he had gloves on, and he had changed his clothes. And he, had, he brought his thing, and he's like, can I help you guys? You're right, so we can play later. And I remember, like, all of a sudden, like, Brandon went from, oh, what some friend he is, to, man, Brandon's the man. Yes, not only we can't play, but it's okay, because we're just all going to rake leaves, because this is awesome. And we're, we're, we're working together. And this is almost where Paul says, hey, I have joy because your partnership, your fellowship with me in the gospel. Paul is sitting in jail. Everyone else, if we read in Timothy, he talks about all the people that had left him. But there's a church in Philippi who has been Paul sitting in prison. They don't say, oh, well, pray for Paul in the Wednesday night service. Hopefully Paul's doing okay. They come alongside and they give gifts to him. And it is almost like the church of Philippi, as Paul's sitting in jail, comes back and says, hey, Paul, putting on the work gloves, we're here with you. We want to do whatever it takes to help you spread the gospel. And if we read, as we're going to study in Philippians chapter 4, they're going to send gifts. They're going to do everything. They're going to give sacrificially above what they even have to help the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, you know what? I, I think about you guys with joy because you guys have partnered with me. Because you guys have come alongside of me when it looked like, hey, everything's over. No one's standing beside me. You guys, as a church, have come alongside. He goes on. For your part, I pray with joy because of your fellowship. And letter B, Paul prays with confidence that God will finish what he has begun. Paul prays with confidence that God will finish what he has begun. The word confident means convinced. The word confidence means convinced. That he will perform it 
means that he will accomplish, he will fulfill it, he will accomplish it. So Paul says, I pray with joy, in verse number five, for your fellowship, for your partnership with me in the gospel. Verse number six, he says, but being confident of this very thing, I am convinced that what God started in you guys, he's going to perform it. He's going to keep right on fulfilling what he's done in your life. This is one of my prayers for you guys. As Paul looks at this church, I can see it in his mind. As we look at Acts 16, and then we come back over here. Paul has literally put blood into the building of this church. They beat him within an inch of his life. He's literally put blood, sweat, and tears in this church. And now he's saying, you know what? As God, and he watches them go. As they become the church God wants them to be. Now they're partnering alongside of him. And so as he's doing all these things, he's like, you know what? I pray with confidence that what God's started in you, he'll just keep accomplishing. I'll continue to see you grow. I'll continue to do what God wants you to do. You know what my joy, my, my joy would be as a youth pastor? I mean, I have to look at the reality of pretty much for maybe four to six years, all of you are going to come through here. And pretty much after the four to six years, I mean, it's not like I'm not friends with you anymore or anything like that. But for all practical purposes, I let you go. You, go, you move on to adulthood. You move on to doing whatever God's called you to do. I may always be the youth pastor, and you may always look at me as one day as you get older and be like, that dumb goofy guy who taught Sunday school on Wednesday night or whatever. And it, you'll morph into something different. You'll grow into something different. But see, my joy would be that God would continue to work. Paul says, I pray for you confident, convinced that what God started in you, he's going to keep performing. He's going to keep doing. Until the day of Christ, he's just going to keep growing you and growing you and growing you. Come, I don't know what it's like, but I think about Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott was Pastor Ferguson's youth pastor. And to be able to sit on the platform with a young man that you helped, uh, his, his family has most of it, probably more of it to say than Pastor Scott, uh, saying that how Pastor Ferguson turned out. But to say, I had a part in this man's life, and now I serve alongside of him. And Paul says, you know what? That's what I want God to do. I pray for you with confidence. God, would you help the church at Philippi that they would keep growing and that all these good things that keep happening will keep happening. That's what I'm saying. This is such a positive letter. Other places like, hey, church, get right. Hey, church, wake up. Hey, church, serve the Lord. Paul's saying, no, I'm praying that what God's doing, he'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it even more. I can't wait to the day where one of you guys are serving the Lord somewhere. And I'd be able to come alongside. I just come sit in your church on vacation. Yeah, they, they were my they were my youth group. That's awesome. You may not even be a pastor. You may not be you pastor. You might even be a full time ministry. You're just a, a layman that loves the Lord and serves in a local church. Can't wait to go visit. Hey, Pastor Burton, when you come through here on vacation, stop by and see me at my house. I want to show you my kids. And to see kids run out that love the Lord, a family that loves the Lord and serving God. That's my joy. And I can see Paul as he's writing this letter. I pray for you with joy because you've partnered with me. When I got thrown in prison, you've come right alongside beside me and you've come right there and you've stood beside me when no one else did. And only that, man, I pray with confidence that the good things that God's doing in you, he'll just keep doing and he'll keep doing. And I'll watch you grow in the Lord. So he says this, Paul's prayer for the church. He prays with joy, he prays with confidence. And then Paul's love for the church. Now, once again, all these things are going to be key and us moving through to the rest of the study of this book. So Paul's love for the church, verse 7 and 8. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you, 
The word meet there means right. It means just. Even as it is right for me to think this of you. What? All these things that he talked about before. How I have joy because God's doing all these things in your life. It is right for me to think this. Because I have you in my heart as much as both of my bonds as the defense. The word defense is plea. The plea, the apology of the gospel. As much as both of my bonds in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. The word uh, record there is witness. And the word bowels, there is inward affection. Now, we don't use that word bowels much. If, if I went up, or maybe not even me, it'd probably work for better for you guys. If one of you guys went up and found a lovely young lady and you like, I love you with from the bottom of my bowels. That doesn't have the same ring to it that, <laughs> that it does in the Bible times. When Paul says, I love you in the bowels, it really means... Uh, they, what we would refer to as the heart, they would refer to their intestines as the deep part of their love. So this is what Paul's saying, even though it sounds totally hilarious to us. I love you from the deep down bottom of my intestines. And then just I have this joy for you. But Paul's saying, you know what? I love you all. And when we read through this, this book, this is not a book of a man who's thrown in prison, who's discouraged, who's going through all these things, it's a man who's encouraged, who's happy, who's excited to be writing a letter. Man, I love you all. When you get to Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you with Christ Jesus. And you get in, start getting into Philippians chapter 4 about, hey, finally, brother, whatsoever things are, and all the things to think about. Sometimes Philippians is one of the books that's taken so much out of context. Well, Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I remember once somebody told me, I said, well, I don't like eating vegetables. I try, but I can't. Well, you know what Philippians 4.13 says? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Can I tell you that is not the context of Philippians 4.13? I mean, I'm not saying that I don't need to eat more vegetables. That's probably true. But I'm just saying that's not the context of the verse. Philippians 4.19, there it is. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, (laughs) I need a new iPod. And Philippians 4.19 says that God's going to supply all my needs. That's not the context of the verse. And as we go through this, we need to see this. That Paul is writing to a church who has come alongside of him in his affliction. And Paul loves these people. And he said, I pray with confidence. As I'm writing this letter, I pray with confidence that what God is doing in your life, he'll continue to do until continue to do until the day of Jesus Christ. And as we see this, All these things are written with the love and the desire for you to grow. So next week, as we dive into the next couple verses, in verse 9 and so on, we need to keep this in our minds. Paul is writing to a people that he loves. God, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has written this so that we would be able to, in a loving way, grow to become what God wants me to be. Grow to what God wants me to be. I'm excited about this passage because there's so many good things here. But we have to, once again, we've got to come back to the introduction. Oh, did I get, miss a blank? Paul has a deep love for the church at Philippi because of their service to God and support for his ministry. Because of their, because of their service to God and support for his ministry. So as we go through this, to me to live is Christ. They're studying Philippians. I want us to understand Paul loves these people. He cares for them. He's happy. 
as he writes this letter, there is no, ah, to live is Christ. I'm going to make it. To die is gain. Oh, if I could just get out of here, it would be so much better. It's, man, for me, while I'm living, I want to live for Christ. And you know what? If I die, that's all the better, too, because I'll be with God. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, we thank you so much for this passage that we said this morning. God, as we look to the Philippians, God, I should help me, first of all, Lord, as we study it. And then, Lord, help us all, Lord, to be able to grasp the things from your word. Well, thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.